Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always, always use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. We are back, and hopefully you uh, were enjoying the Sting theme song. So there you go, Patrick O'Dowd. You've been asking for it for weeks, and now you got it. Man called Sting. Hey, and I appreciate it, though. I do want to call you out for playing it one time previously, like when I wasn't on the show. I was so sad that I missed it out live the first time. Well, you know, you should have been on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell my wife to never have kids again. Exactly. That's not cool. So. <laughs> So, excellent. Well, man, we are privileged to have with us a, a very special guest on the program, a guest that we're super excited to have, of course. A lot of you might know him as, as Chris Masters in the WWE, uh, but he is, is Christopher Mordatsky, and he's on a campaign to get himself back in the in, in the mainstream wrestling and get himself on Impact Wrestling. And, of course, he's tearing it up in India uh, for Rinka King as the American Adonis. So let's please welcome in our very special guest, the first of two guests this week, and that is Christopher Mordetsky. Appreciating that well as I was listening to you guys, that was great. No problem. We, we're old school fans uh, at heart, and so we do like to do that from time to time. And the other songs we use, we use the the Steiner Line song, we use the Bad Street theme. Yeah, we go old school with that. What about the Axe and the Smash? Their demolition. Uh, you know, what a disaster. Next week on the Greg DeMarco Show, we're going to have to play the Demolition theme song, and we'll leave it. Hey, I'm a lifelong fan, too, man. I, I, uh, that Stinger thing was great. What's up, guys? How you doing? We're, we're doing excellent. We're doing excellent, and we appreciate you coming on. Of course, everybody, the voice you hear is the voice of Christopher Mordeski, formerly known as Chris Masters. Uh, very, very happy to have him on the show, and, and do thank you up front, Chris, for taking time out of your busy schedule for us and our listeners. We definitely do appreciate that. Now I need to. I know that you guys are the ones supposed to be asking the questions, but I just have to ask. I mean, I was hearing all this stuff last night about Dave Otunga doing some kind of masterpiece esque entrance, and uh, did you oh, guys he, get he, to he see did. that? He, he did. He did a little pose. All right, little, yeah. yeah no, tell me. Go ahead. Oh yeah, he uh he came out on the stage and he got down on like one knee and he slowly brought the arm up. Oh no, he didn't. Oh yes, he did. Then what did he do? Um, that's pretty much it. And then he just came up and and did a little pop up after he froze down in the little the thinker pose and then he popped up and started to walk through his walk down to the ring. Who in the hell does he think he is? 
I think I you know. might have to take the Everybody knows that only I can bow to my knee and then pose. I'm just joking. That's pretty <laughs> funny. But, yeah, it, it created a lot of commotion on um, Twitter last night. All kinds of people told me about uh, Dave Otunga, and I wasn't watching Raw. You know, I'm on a bit of a boycott myself for the time being. I mean, I've, I've seen a – I mean, like you guys, I'm a lifelong fan, and, you know, my favorite wrestling is old wrestling. So if I'm going to watch something, it's going to be probably from, you know, 10 years ago or so, probably. Or, uh, you know, of course, I'll watch Impact on Thursday, seeing as that the MTI campaign is in full swing 2012, baby. That is true, and that's what you know. The big motivation to bring you on the show is try to help you get on Impact Wrestling, and we are definitely going to get there. Don't you worry about that. But before we get to your teenage movement or even your WWE run, I want to go back to your time in Ultimate Pro Wrestling. Uh, promotion responsible for such people as Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, even John Cena. Talk about the impact of your time you spent there and then the training that you had. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was a UPW is a great place for. Like learning, you know, how to bump and learning how to, you know, protect yourself and, you know, learning, you know, uh, mostly the basics because, uh, you know, once it came down to developmental, it got much more uh, in-depth, you know, it became more about not necessarily, you know, learning how to take a hip toss. It was much more about, um, you know, making sense of a match and, you know, uh, well, you know, we started with Rip Rogers. I mean, you know. It's easy. It, it's, the UPW thing is, uh, it was a great place, but it's an easy thing to kind of fast forward through because, you know, most of it was just learning how to do the generic universal spot, which was the drop down, hip, uh, leapfrog, hip toss, arm drag, body slam, and, you know, tuck your chin, hit the ropes the right way, that kind of stuff. And, you know, so, uh, we learned a lot of that there. The shows that UPW put on were freaking awesome, though. I will say that. Rick Bassman has uh, been nothing but good to me. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, they put on awesome shows. I mean, they were full-on productions. So, like, my uh, introduction to the business was uh, very cool. And, uh, you know, I spent about a year there. Uh, I mean, I, I initially started at 17 for about two months, fractured my ankle, had to have surgery, and then I came back in 19 after uh, – taking up bodybuilding as a hobby, and, you know, I was off to the races. Nice, and I actually got my, I actually got my hands once on a, a two-disc set of before they were stars, and it was essentially all UPW stuff, and it's amazing to watch and see the prototype and, and see, you know, some of, you know, Christopher Daniels with a full head of hair and stuff like that. So, and, and, Chris, and, and about Did he ever, you know, really? Yeah, he had a full yeah. head of hair and a, and, a, and a battle royal where the biggest participant and the main participant was a guy named Christopher Mordetsky. Oh my God! No way! That is amazing. Yeah, I probably have long hair. Video, you did. I don't remember if the hair was long or short or not, but I, yeah, you definitely had hair, and I think you had a good tee. So I was in one full circle, of course, later in your career. <laughs> Man, that feels like ages ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, wow! I forgot you had that that DVD. I remember watching that over your mm -hmm. place. Like I, I remember seeing that. That was crazy. and the great thing. And this is a total aside by us. And usually it's the guest that rambles on. Today it's us. That that DVD, whoever put it out, literally was uh, in in the extras was advertising for porn DVDs and in, in like, oh, like full on X rated porn commercials on on the extras of the of the DVD set. So oh my God! Out. I was going to say because I've never seen that DVD. So uh, <laughs> and nor have I endorsed it or anything. I've never seen it before. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, no idea. But you know, that's not the first time that's happened. You know, oh, I've sure. uh, had uh, other 
promoters do supposed interviews that ended up uh, turning into DVDs that I saw on sale on the internet, which uh, is quite upsetting. Oh yeah, I can understand that, but that's unfortunately a part of the business that that, that you're in. So, not to put anybody on blast, uh, Axel Portugal. <laughs> not that <laughs> okay. he's listening, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably not. Probably you know. not. Well, let's uh, let's move forward into into a little bit about your WWE run, and we just wanted to start you. We talked about the masterpiece gimmick. Where did that come from? How did how did that come to be? And who who had the idea for you to be the masterpiece? Well, th- this is how the process happened. I, you know, I'm Chris Chris Mordetsky is uh, you know that's who I am uh, during the day. You know, yep. my uh, what then I go into Chris Masters. No, actually, it's, uh, I went to uh, OVW and uh, what was it, Doctor Tom Pritchard had just told me uh, one day when I came in, he's like, uh, you're now Chris Masters. So, you know, uh, of course, I'm not going to argue that. I was like, okay. And I kind of rolled with that for a while. And then, you know, I already had kind of the uh, stereotype of a body guy, per se, you know what I mean? Because I came in, obviously, like a, uh, you know, with the perception of being a bodybuilder turned wrestler, which I never was. I took up bodybuilding as a hobby to get into wrestling, you know, I've always, like I like you guys, like Richard, I was a lifelong fan, but, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, to get back to the point, uh, what was the point we were getting at? Oh, just where the gimmick came from, like, where the masterpiece oh, well, uh, idea oh, came yeah, from. Oh, yeah, well, so, Dr. Tom Pritchard basically, uh, renames me Chris Masters, I have the body guy stereotype, and, uh, I'm sitting around one day just hanging out with, uh, you know, some of the homies in OVW were chilling, and uh, Matt Morgan actually, uh, came, he just dropped the uh, masterpiece on us, and it was just like light bulb went off, brought it to Jimmy uh, Cornette the next day, and from that point on, I was the masterpiece Chris Masters. And then, uh, you know, we just rolled with that, and then eventually, uh, you know, WWE obviously liked it, and then uh, the next step was uh, the Master Lock. So, you know, it all tied together. Chris Masters, Masterpiece, Master Lock, Masters this, Masters that. <laughs> masters everywhere. Masters so, everywhere. Masters. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, of course, try to reunite with I wonder if I can use the name Masters. That's uh, something I'm going to have to look into. What, what if I just went by Masters? Is that, uh, <laughs> do they own that? I wonder. Hmm. I don't know. Wow, that don't that know. totally answered a question we were going to ask. Because yep. we were going to ask you later what <laughs> you just, what you could you call stole, yourself. You just stole one of Patrick O'Dowd's questions that he he forced me to add. Make sure this well, gets was, in there. Well, it, it wasn't really a force. It was because yeah, of the whole Masters to Impact sort of thing. It was like you know, can he still use? So was you know, can you still use that name or does the does well, the I mean, you know, that maybe works? we use. Well, maybe you, uh, you know what? That Adonis name is actually kind of good that they, uh, the, for Ring Kakim. I don't know about the American Adonis for, that works good for India because we were doing, you know, like the American Adonis is supposed to be an American heel and I was working a lot of uh, Indian baby faces. But the Adonis name is good maybe with something else before it. I don't know, the, you know. If anybody listening has anything creative, uh, feel free to suggest. Also, Another thing, if anybody listening know, knows how to change the damn Facebook timeline and disable that, please let me know, because that thing is freaking <laughs> annoying. 
<laughs> if anybody knows how to do that, it'll be some, one of our listeners. Don't worry about that. Oh, please so. call in and uh, give me step-by-step directions on that because it's annoying me. I don't like it. Because we have some great listeners on this show, and we also have a couple that you know do live in their parents' basement. So we uh, <laughs> we would definitely have them get on there. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, you got to perform uh, on the grandest stage, as it's called, and that was, of course, at, at WrestleMania 22, and you, you teamed up with, with Carlito. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and had a chance to wrestle Kane in the Big Show and talk to us about what it's like to wrestle at WrestleMania compared to other events, even you know SummerSlam versus WrestleMania. Um, hmm. well, it's hard to say SummerSlam because I don't know if I've actually. That, I think that's the one pay per view I might have not competed at. As far as I did work a Hurricane in a, uh, you know, in '05 and like the pre-match deal, but gotcha. um, I've worked at I've worked at every other pay per view. Um, I would. I mean, it's just, it's a combination of the uh, energy of the crowd, because I remember the one I was at was Chicago, and Chicago is just like hardcore, obviously, as you guys know, and that's just hardcore wrestling audience, and you know, you just, like you guys, you guys know, like we've been going back to being a lifelong fan, you know what WrestleMania means, so uh, I mean, it was so feels so long ago at this point, but um, I will definitely say that it's like a, it was an adrenaline rush, like no other. It was just kind of like you go out there and you know you're nervous and you have those butterflies, but it's like you walk out there and it's just like you feel invincible. You know what I mean? Like when I look back at the tape, I can just see how I'm just having that moment of like you know you know, where you just feel like you're invincible and you want to go out there and do your thing. And, I mean, I think our tag match turned out pretty well. I mean, we were originally actually supposed to win the tag belts in that match, but uh, it got switched, and then, you know, they had Lito and me end up going against each other. But, uh, you know, either way, it was cool, man. I mean, it was definitely uh, a highlight for me. I mean, obviously, I would have liked to uh, have many more matches at WrestleMania. But um, I remember even the year prior, uh, you know, my first year in WWE, uh WrestleMania was here at Staples Center, and uh, mm-hmm. I got to work the Battle Royal before WrestleMania, which might not seem like a big deal, but, you know, for a guy who's just, you know, I just started on the road maybe four months prior, and, you know, so everything was still a big deal to me, let alone being in my hometown at the Staples Center, working the Battle Royal in front of the WrestleMania crowd, and I was the last guy in there with Booker T. You know, Booker T ended up going over, but it was just so cool because, you know, the finishing sequence worked out so perfect. The timing was right. And, you know, that was another kind of like, you know, that was one of the first real huge highlights for me, just being at the uh, Staples Center and being the last guy in that battle royal and it working out as good as it did. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, definitely the next year was obviously uh, that much more because it was on the card and it was just like, you know, you knew you were there. And I can tell you, and before Patrick asks this question, I can tell you that, that Greg DeMarco and Patrick O'Dowd were two of among several people at a table. And and we were, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, two, two of the few people in that Hooters that day pulling for Chris Masters and Carlito in that match. So we were we, we were behind you guys. Well, that's, the way, that's the way it was supposed to be. We were the heels. But, you know, I mean, uh, you can't you can't deny the Chris and Carly show was entertaining. We could have got a lot more mileage out of that. Uh, you know, Briz and me uh, go – Bruce and me go way back, and, uh, you know, like, if they just shot me and him interacting on a day-to-day basis, it would be good entertainment. So, uh, you know, I still, uh, even in my last run in WWE, uh, we went on the, uh, we went on a tour, where was it, to, we went to Iraq, and they had four groups of people, and, uh, 
you know, first three groups have about eight people per group, and then the last group is, for some reason, oddly, just Carlito and myself, which uh, Mike Yoda uh, then labeled the probation crew. So, uh, <laughs> because at this point, it was like I was just coming back from being released, and Carlito was kind of on his way out and about to get released. So they kind of, you know, left us there on base. We didn't leave the base or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, we had the greatest time. I mean, we entertained the hell out of everybody. And Michael Cole was saying uh, we need to bring the Chris and Carly show to Raw. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be at that time. You know, uh, you know, Carly had his thing going on. But it would have been cool, definitely. I mean, I know Cole was pushing for it hard. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Um, I, before I move into my next question, I do want to say one thing that I, that I do appreciate and I love hearing from, from wrestlers is just... Um, sort of the feeling of, of like being a fan and you talked about being like being a fan of it and the, just sort of the feeling of experiencing WrestleMania. Greg and I went to WrestleMania 26 and even just being in the stands is, is, is a crazy experience that sort of blows us away uh, every time. And so it's, it's really cool. It's really cool and refreshing to hear that sort of excitement behind the work that you do. Yeah. And I, and you know, as odd as it sounds, I still have, have had my rare moments where, uh, I can actually uh, escape the bubble, you know, because I feel like after you get into the wrestling business, it's like, you know, I feel like, you know, you're in the bubble, so it's like your perception is uh, sometimes off. That's why I have uh, lifelong um, wrestling friends that have been fans, and I'll actually ask them, you know what I mean, for their input. Like, you know, granted, if it's somebody who I kind of agreed with uh, while I was growing up, I would ask him his input on this or that because, like, I feel like we're in the bubble sometimes so long that you lose touch with the, you know, the fan. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. see it from the same objective. But, uh, you know, like, even getting to watch, uh, like, you know, um, the last, um, you know, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker in his last match, I mean, I remember, I don't think I worked that mania, obviously, but, uh, you know, just getting to watch that match, I was able to kind of escape from, uh, you know, being a guy in the business to uh, kind of being a guy, you know, a combination of the fan and the guy in the business because uh, on one hand I had watched this guy's whole career and, you know, and, and gone to work him and, you know, it was just kind of like it was the final chapter of a big part of uh you know a guy who was a big part of my life as far as inspiring me to uh pursue this you know like ultimate warrior was the guy who drew me in but you know ultimately i started really appreciating uh sean and brett and you know a lot of the just really talented in-ring guys in the business and uh sean obviously just being probably the greatest so uh you know that was one of those moments for me getting to see that match i thought i was like I felt privileged, and I felt like a, you know, kind of like a fan for a moment there. Yeah, it was a cool match to watch. Um, you know, to be there live was was pretty cool. So, uh, we do want to talk a little bit. Um, you were released from the WWE in 2000, uh, and or 2007. Sorry, let's not go too far in the past. Um, in 2007, um, and that there were a couple of wellness policy violations that that were were publicized or came came out through the through the rags. Um, 
how did you move forward from from that publicity and from those releases? Uh, well, you know, it was uh, a lot of it was misconstru- misconstrued because you know you look up my my name and uh, automatically people assume uh, steroids. But, you know, the problem I had at that point in my life was actually prescription pills. You know, to be honest, I'm lucky I'm not, um, you know, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, or, you know, even, you know, better examples are uh, Testu or Maga, because I went through that same uh, problem as those guys. And it's something that needs the awareness in this country anyway, so I'm not afraid to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I went through a battle with prescription pill addiction, and that was a, a huge I mean, it kind of really completely derailed my career because, uh, you know, once I went to rehab and took that stint off, it was like I was never able to get the company kind of behind me again after that, you know what I mean? Whether it be, you know, after I came back from the uh, rehab or uh, when I was rehired again in 2009, it was just kind of like, you know, at that point, whether uh, it was a lack of faith or whatever it was, but, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, but... uh, you know, I was obviously able to come come through and uh, get myself right and, you know, realize that I had a problem and I got myself straight and I'm still here today. Which is, you know, great news. And we've actually had, uh, we had Jimmy Rave on a few months ago when he talked at length about the issues with prescription drugs in, in the world of wrestling. And when you, you know, definitely believe in everything you're saying. And it's a huge problem. And it's a problem that needs yeah, to be. I wasn't, I wasn't originally going to be released. Uh, the thing is, is... Uh, once uh, I, I, it was a Monday, and I'm talking about my original release in 2007. Yeah. Um, I got a phone call on a Monday saying that I was suspended for 60 days by Johnny, and he said, you know, just, you know, take the 60 days and come back, you know, ready to work. So, you know, and I was injured actually at the time too because a week prior I had uh, dislocated my elbow in the Undertaker match. So I was sitting at home injured and then i get the call that i had uh failed a uh, wellness policy violation for uh taking a substance uh that i wasn't supposed to take and then uh i think i think tuesday vince uh had been put in the hot seat by whether it was congress and also i, I think um possibly a bob costas interview i think uh where you, they were questioning whether it was me or randy i don't know but questioning whether you know they were really uh, disciplining wrestlers and you know, following the right protocol. And then, uh, you know, the next day uh, I got a phone call and, you know, it was around 11 a.m. and it came up unknown, which you knew was WWE, and I just had the feeling. I just knew it was coming. So, uh, but I take full responsibility for that one. I mean, you know, I wasn't, I, you know, I started on the road at 21 years old, and, you know, I'm the first one to admit that uh, I wasn't ready in various ways to, for the responsibility given to me because, uh you know, uh, whether it be in-ring-wise, I mean, you know, a lot of people want to critique my early work. It's like, well, you know, like, that's the thing. I mean, and you're seeing it still nowadays. I mean, guys are rushed. Some guys are taken with with no experience at all, and then they're put into the developmental, in some cases, and then they're put into the developmental system, and then they're on TV within a year. And, you know, you can't possibly really, really get this business in a year. I mean, it's like... There's so many different components, and it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a very complicated business, and it's hard to get, and it takes time, and you know, it was just, uh, you know, so that was, I mean, I, I forgot what the original point was that we were getting at with all this, but. 
Well, just talking no, about. We no, go ahead. Yeah, we. Well, we were talking about your release, and really where we were going to go to next was, was you know, obviously, like you said, you're on top of the world, and you're, and you're pushing the WWE so fast into your career, and now it's all taken away from you, and, and, you're, and you're left with the indies and kind of back to square one. And did that change you? Did it change anything for you? What did that do for you when now your WWE is taken away from you, and, and, and you're really back to almost like being back at the beginning? Uh, well, it was, uh, no, well, it was a different experience then because – I was able to, for the first time in my career, to actually work the independent wrestling scene, which really, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to not have to do it the other way around. There's a lot of guys out there who are really struggling who have worked indies, and, you know, whether they made it to WWE or they didn't, and, uh, you know, it's hard to make money like that. But, uh, you know, I had built a name with WWE, then, you know, I'd been on television, so... You know, I got, um, I stayed pretty busy and had some of the times of my life on my last, uh, you know, from that time in between 2007 to 2009. But, you know, again, like I said, I mean, I was battling still my uh, personal issues and, you know, it took a while, but I was finally able to, you know, look myself in the mirror and, you know, realize that, you know, I had completely derailed uh, myself and you know I lost the job that I had you know always wanted or and always aspired to get to you know being with WWE and I was like uh, you know it's time to make a change and then uh, so you know throughout all that I mean you know I had a blast but uh, you know I did uh, you know I, I, I think I uh, in the back of my mind I always figured that I, um, I took responsibility for what happened but that I would reconcile and get my get my stuff together and uh, make a comeback, which you know ultimately did happen. When when you get released and you get released for prescription medication, and then you're sent back out on the road in the Indies, does that do you think, and not necessarily for you, but just in general and what you've seen, does that almost set somebody up to go further into that addiction and, and kind of get further into that because that support system's kind of taken away at the same time? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it just depends. I mean, I mean, I went through a patch, obviously a rough patch with it, and uh, you know, it just. I mean, it all depends on the person, and you know, you're you're, you know, ultimately, if you're willing, if you're willing to like look, you know, look yourself in the mirror and realize you have a problem, and if you really just want to live for that, for you know, much sake. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to really when you're in addiction. It's hard to know that you're an addict, or it's hard to realize that sometimes uh, you can either, you're either going to die or reach rock bottom. You know what I mean? I was one of the fortunate ones who uh, didn't die, but I did reach rock bottom. So, uh, you know, I had to bounce back from that. And, uh, you know, I've grown so much as a person, though, since then. So, I mean, it's been, uh, you know, I've been through a lot of life experiences for a guy uh, at 29 years old. You know, I've been through a lot now. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've... uh, I've really matured as a person now, so I feel like you know I feel like I'm in a good place. Well, we've uh, we've kind of talked around this a little bit at, at different points, but and, and you've mentioned it that you did get to come back to the WWE in 2009. Um, when you uh, when you had that opportunity come back to you, um, how did, how did your approach um, in the E differ the second time around versus the first time? Uh, well, obviously, you know, the first time around, I mean, it's, I started with vignettes and I had the huge push. I mean, and then the second time around after a certain point, I kind of realized that they had no intention of uh, really using me, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, initially when I got back in 2009, I, I feel like it was kind of my year where I was just happy to be back. And uh, But, you know, eventually a, a fire lit under my ass, just kind of around uh, 2010. And it started with, uh, you know, Triple H had given a speech after WrestleMania where he had wrestled Sheamus, you know, about who's next. And, you know, he gave this big speech about who's going to be the next guy to reach for the brass ring and, you know, like who wants it and look what Sheamus did, Sheamus this, Sheamus that. You know, I just and I just thought to myself, I'm like, man, you know, I got all the tools. It's like, you know, like, you know, why can't that be me? So, and then, you know, as the year progressed, you know, I, I was basically uh, dittering on superstars, but I remember one specific point where Michael Hayes had uh, criticized my selling. So uh, that was kind of a turning point for me where I went like kind of like, you know, I internalized that and I kind of went back to the drawing board and I uh, kind of uh, just, you know, stopped, you know, kind of erased all the wrestling that I'd watched over all the years from my mind kind of completely and tried to wash it out and just go out there and really emotionally invest myself in my matches. And, you know, if I got hit, how would I really sell it? And, you know, how, you know, and just basically all the different, you know, trying to perfect all the different components of my game. I mean, the first thing that, uh, you know, started to come along was the selling. You know I mean? After Michael said that, it was like it really uh, kind of just something just snapped in my head. And, you know, I really, I approached it different. And my, I, I felt like I became probably by the end of uh, 2010 and going into 2011, one of the best sellers in the company. Um, you wouldn't know unless you watch superstars, but <laughs> you know, if you see any of the matches, you'll see that from there. And then, you know, the, but I mean, that wasn't it. It was also, you know, about, um, you know, obviously making people believe, you know, getting sympathy and people believing you're hurt, being able to convince people that, but also, you know, bringing it in the baby face comeback, making the, uh, you know, the fire up, uh, organic, you know what I mean? And not forced and, you know, that's all stuff that comes with time, man. That's like, uh, you know, that's why, like, you know, you, we talk about these ring guys coming in in a year. You know, you can't just get that feeling because all you're thinking is, uh, oh, hip toss, body slam, this, insert this here, you know, and you're not able to uh, relax and just uh, emotionally invest and, and, you know, just, you know, be in the moment type thing. When when you had this experience and Michael Hayes said this, did uh did, was there any one person that helped you with that that you went to and said, Hey, I want to sell better, I want to be more convincing? What was there an individual that you sort of worked with? No, not at all. It was more just you know, I was probably I you know, I was in the at the best another thing was is I was at kind of the perfect weight and size. So I mean I was able to move a lot better. I was around two fifty five, two sixty so I was able to move better, and I was just starting to uh, understand the art of it more. I was just starting to understand, uh, you know, it's like I knew how to do all the moves and whatnot, but it's like I started understanding, uh, you know, uh, you know how you convey, you know, conveying pain to an audience more. I started understanding the art of selling, you know, because there is an art to it. It's an art. Like selling is an art, and. Uh, you know, and being able to convince people you're really hurt in a business that's considered show business is a tough task. But, you know, if you got somebody giving, dishing out something good and you're selling it good, uh, you can accomplish that. And uh, also, you know, just I started understanding the uh, the art of storytelling, you know what I mean? Making sense of a match and not just thinking about, oh, you know, let's get this spot in for the sake of getting this move in. More about, like, what makes sense? How are we going to tie in you know, the uh, heat to the finish and, 
you know, if you're going to work my leg, you know what I mean? I'm not going to run on it. You know what I mean? I'm that like, you know what I mean? I'm like, you can see that through a lot of my matches. Like if you, uh, classic example is the last match I had with Drew McIntyre earlier this year. If you see it, it was like a 17 minute match where he worked over my leg and it was just, uh, probably uh, impeccable storytelling. And, you know, I, that might sound arrogant to some, but, I mean, watch the match and you tell me any different. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com We uh, we wanted to... You you'd mentioned a little bit, you talked about um, in your return, you sort of noticed that um, it seemed fairly clear what your what your role, um, what the expectations of your role were going to be sort of moving forward. Uh, one of the things that we do tend to work in a lot here in, in on our show and then, uh, you know, out there in the wrestling businesses, a lot of the uh, the internet rumors and things that sort of float around. Uh, one of the rumors that, that did float around in regards to you uh, was this idea that your role was downplayed um, due to your prior um, prior wellness violations. Did you feel any truth to that, or do you think that that was overblown uh, from the internet? Uh, well, you know, you can never say for sure. I mean, this business is a big mind F. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I wrote that today in an interview, actually. It's like, you know, they don't really give you any clear-cut answers. I mean, I'm telling you, when I got released this past time, it was the, I was told, company restructuring. I mean, what does that mean, you know? But, um, you know, I just, uh, you, what was your question? I'm sorry. Just did you feel that there was any truth to the the rumors that your past, um, with, the, with the past wellness violations, well, you, impacted your role in the company? From a business perspective, you can't help but think that, uh, okay, you know, because going back in there, I still had two strikes. So I always thought in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, from a business perspective, it's like, you know, it's kind of a long shot and I'm a high-risk uh, candidate to push, you know, just because uh, one mess up and I'm gone, I'm out the door. So, and, you know, you got to put investment and time and money into people, and, you know, if you're not necessarily confident or 100% sure that they're not going to mess up and they, I already have two strikes, I mean, that could be an issue. But, um, you know, I don't know if that was ultimately it. I mean, because a lot of interesting thing, things happened going in from 2010 to 2011. It was like, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, as my work started progressing, the higher-ups started noticing <clears throat> and I started becoming praised by, you know, basically all the agents. I got pulled aside by Hunter on several occasions, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, just telling me that Vince has noticed and he's noticed uh, my vast improvements and trying to figure out kind of what exactly do we do with you or, you know, is it a repackaging or fresh coat of pain or, you know, or take you off TV for three months. You know, different things were thrown around because, uh you know, obviously they were starting to notice. And then, you know, I went from losing on superstars for about a year straight to uh, flipping it around and then winning on superstars. If that even really matters, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but, you know, but um, so, I mean, you know, I really kind of was under the impression just through 
conversations I had with the office and then what I had been told from other guys who were in Gorilla while my matches were on and what they had heard from Vince, you know, I felt like I was in a great place. I was like, this is going to be my year, you know, I'll, uh, you know, to finally come back and bounce back and, you know, you know, put any doubters to rest and show people, you know, that I'm not just a body. I can go out there and I can work and, you know, I can put on a hell of a match. Well, of course, I mean, since being released, you've had the opportunity to wrestle all over the world, and especially as part of the, the Ring Ka King production in India. And talk about that experience and what that's meant to you as a performer and as a person. Uh, well, it was really cool. I've never been to India. I mean, it was a long, long trip, but we had a, a great group of guys, and um, it was such an interesting concept because what it is is they took, you know, hand-selected American wrestlers, and we had to work with a group of uh, Indian wrestlers that are literally only maybe two months in the training. So, I mean, it's really it was really a challenge uh, to go out there and you know be able to put on uh, you know to put on even a passable match with uh, a lot of these guys because they didn't understand you know I mean in two months in I mean what do you know? So uh, it was a real challenge and we had to keep things real basic, but I mean, India is still, uh, they don't know wrestling too well. So it, it worked. I mean, it worked to our advantage and, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and, uh, Abyss and Dutch and Sanjay and everybody who was involved was like, we had just such a good crew that it was, uh, nothing but good times. And like, I think we really made the best out of it. I mean, I wrestled, um, Trevor Murdoch, I think, and that aired like I think just about a week ago, which was a pretty good match. And then uh, I ended up working uh, Vieira down the line in the season, which uh, ended up being pretty good, especially for a guy who was had only been in the ring training for about two months, I believe. So, yeah, excellent. Yeah. And uh, Harry Smith got food poisoning and was in the hospital for two days. So, <laughs> oh, no. on a side note. Yeah, that's just that's that's what happens overseas. Um, so, and then and everybody listening, and you are listening to the Greg Demarco Show with Greg Demarco and Patrick O'Dowd, presented by ForeignMania.com and streaming worldwide on the Voice of Choice Nation at VOCNation.com. And I want to talk about your your most recent pursuit. And of course, you've gone on a public campaign and, and a pursuit of a spot in in TNA uh, called the MTI or Masters to Impact. And just you know, kind of tell us why why do this, why go on this campaign. Uh, well, I mean. Let's see. I mean, it's strictly due to the fact that I feel like right now I'm the best I've ever been. And from the feedback I've gotten, you know, seeing as that I'm uh, 29 years old and at my peak, and my only job qualifications being uh, Samoan drops and suplexes, uh, I don't think I, I don't think I should uh, I should technically be unemployed. So, uh, you know, it's basically, uh, you know. Like, I was kind of a, a member of the IWC before I ever even made it. So it's kind of like my rally cry to uh, the IWC. And it's kind of, uh, and not just the IWC, but wrestling fans in general, just to uh, support the cause. And, you know, if you, uh, you know, like I said, anybody who's seen where I'm at, you know, and, you know, in the in just my in-ring work, I mean, I can definitely be an asset to any company. I mean, one co company's loss can be another company's gain is the way I look at it. Nice. And you mentioned this a little bit before, that you, you know, you, through the Ring Ka King work, that you've had the opportunity to work with Jeff Jarrett. Um, we, you know, we know that you also probably have access to Dave Lagana and some other TNA officials. 
Um, have you gotten any response yet to the Masters to Impact campaign, or is it still sort of largely building? Uh, well, I mean, you know, well, that's where it all started is, uh, you know, sure. Rinky King. I mean, I got such great vibes from the uh, company, uh, you know, as a whole. And Jeff Jarrett was, was you know, such a pleasure to work with that, uh, you know, I just kind of felt like, uh, you know, it was definitely and Dave Lagana is actually the guy who um, recruited me for the project. So, you know, I have good rapport with some guys there, and uh, I definitely got a good vibe from everybody. So that's what uh, kind of started this whole thing. And, you know, obviously Rinky King is a good uh, good platform to at least uh, showcase uh, where I'm at. And, uh, you know, and uh, obviously, you know, it's an affiliation of TNA. So uh, it's it's one of those things where campaigns aren't won overnight. That's why I say MTI 2012. It's just like companies uh, – TNA's got a lot of guys on the uh, payroll that they're not even using currently. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them is a good buddy of mine who's pretty well known. So it's just one of those things where uh, timing is everything. So, I mean, in the meantime, I'm uh, doing a good job of staying busy as far as uh, what I'm doing. So, you know, it's definitely something I'm going to still push, uh, push as much as I can because, you know, this is my only true passion and love is uh, pro wrestling. So if I'm not going to do it for WWE, then, uh, you know, screw it. I mean, you know, Impact's got great talent, and I got something to bring. So, and, and, and you talked about, you know, you're, just, you're 29 years old, you're in your prime. Is, is TNA now the ultimate goal, or do you want to get back into the WWE, and do you want to have a shot at having a major run? You know, I don't know what the future holds. I mean, I, don't, I won't rule out anything at this point just because this business is so unpredictable, it's so hot, cold, it's so one minute this, one minute that, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, WWE goes through its phases of different things. So, you know, you can never rule it out. But, uh, you know, I really felt like I uh, really put in a lot of work in my last year there. And so obviously uh, there are some, um, you know, I'm not bitter towards the company because they've given me the opportunity to develop a name for myself and I'm still able to make a living and wrestle based upon my time with them. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, after, you know, having the conversations I had with the people I did, uh, you know, I can't help but feel almost uh, kind of betrayed by the whole thing. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's not something that, uh, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I wouldn't even kind of uh, entertain the thought for another couple of years. I'd rather just stay completely away from that company in general and uh, do my own thing and, you know, be able to diversify my options and, you know, keep wrestling, though. And, you know, also, like I said, I mean, if Impact or Ring of Honor, whatever opportunity present itself, you know, I'm ready. And I also want to give you uh, one, uh, bring up one topic that, that, you know, people might have even, you know, maybe they don't remember you're a part of. But you were a part of the, the Wrestling Retribution Project, project of course, originally called the Wrestling Revolution Project, a character known as Concrete. Talk about that experience and, and, and what can we expect from that? Can we expect a different Chris Masters than what we've seen before uh, and, and just that project, product in general? Well, I know I do, there's definitely some quality matches, but I will say, uh, I mean, this was shot over a four-day span, and uh, like I'd like to start by saying I've never worked so many matches in three days <laughs> in all of my life. And uh, so it was extremely uh, exhausting from a physical standpoint, but uh, a lot of fun. Again, we had a good crew, like, you know, Dreamer was behind the scenes, and Lance Storm, you know, guys that I, uh, you know, Lance had trained me back in OVW. Tommy Dreamer's been, like, my wrestling father for years, so... 
I enjoyed the experience, but I was pretty damn beat up. But uh, I think uh, I think it'll be good. It's going to be definitely different because the setting is different from what you're used to uh, on a wrestling show. It's more of a, almost like a club uh, bar type atmosphere. But um, it's got you know it's got good production, great entrance, and you know I know that I had. And I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but I had a hell of a match with uh, with one of the guys there. Uh, forgive me, because I've wrestled I don't know how many matches now and how many different guys, but um, you know I know I had a, a good one over there, and uh, it should be good. I mean, I would definitely check it out if it's uh, when it's released. Yeah, we definitely look forward to that. And remind everybody, you know, before we let you go, where can they find you? Where can they find you on on Facebook and on Twitter and help support the Masters of Impact campaign? Oh, well, I finally changed my Twitter name, which everybody was uh, apparently such a big deal. Uh, you know, it was uh, WWE Master P for a while, so it's <laughs> no longer that. I am now at Chris Masters 310, which is uh, my representation of Los Angeles. Ray Mysterio's got 619. I got 310. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Chris Masters 310. Uh, you know, Christopher Mordetsky on Facebook, although nobody will actually know how to spell that. You guys might have to link that or something. And uh, for booking inquiries and whatnot, I'm at masterpiece83 at gmail.com. So check it out. There you go. Excellent. Well, well Chris, Christopher Mordetsky, we appreciate all the time you've given us today, and best of luck to you. And, and I really do hope that this Masters Impact campaign does work out for you, because I, I mean, I agree. You, you really were, people were praising the hell out of your work at the end of your WWE run, and I think we were all kind of surprised when you got let go. And I agree with you in the sense that, that you likely do have a lot more to offer, and, and I think there's there's got to be a spot for you on TV somewhere. So we look forward to seeing that and hope it does work out for you. Oh yeah, definitely, baby. And oh, I definitely, uh, and I'm gonna be printing out some T-shirts. So anybody going to a WWE or TNA show, they'll be free. You just gotta show proof. So uh, you know, find out <laughs> details through Twitter. Excellent. And I, I, I happen to write a column for Foreign Mania that that quite a few people read. So when that comes out, I'll be sure to put that information in there and make sure that people have a way to get their hands on those. So good stuff. Hey, you guys thought you guys thought Crash and SummerSlam was cool. Maybe I'll crash WrestleMania. How about that? There you go. Uh, I'm in. We would love to see that. the folks down in Miami would love it as well. So good stuff, man. Good luck to you, and we hope to hear great things from this uh, this campaign and from you in general. All right, baby. MTI. That's right. All right. Thank you. Talk to you soon. And there you go. That was like, cool. there, I was like, wait, where's the sound bite? Where's and the sound bite? Sound bite was thinking. It was like, hmm, and there we go. So. Excellent. You know, yeah. I, I typed this on my Facebook during the interview. I, I I do love it when an interview brings out some sort of information or a different side to something that you may not have, you may have assumed you knew or that you, you know that you didn't really know. And I thought it was, you know, we we, you know, we're sort of messaging each other back and forth about what our assumption was for the wellness violations. And a lot of people made that out there. Um, and, you know, to hear that, you know, yet another similar experience to what Jimmy Rave has been talking about um, time and time again really was, you know, interesting to me. I thought it was very impactful. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And, and to hear that and to hear him talk about it, and it's it's such a huge problem, and it's an even bigger problem than I think we thought after the Jimmy Rave interview, and it's probably a bigger problem backstage right now, and, and oh, something sure. that I think some serious attention should be given to and could be given to, and then maybe we need to explore that a little more in, in the future. Who knows? But uh, yeah, you know, thank you to, to Chris Masters, and, and was with us for Christopher Mordetsky was with us for felt you know. It was literally forever, almost an hour, and felt like it just flew by. And, and that's just, you know, goes to show all the great stories he has to tell. And I'm sure he could have had a ton more, too. So uh, we're going to take break number two real quick and because we do have Gregory Irons. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less spark, a little less fight, a little more spark. Close your mouth and open up your heart and baby satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 